All right, we're going to get started. That was loud. That was super, super loud, and I loved it. We're getting started in this new series called Glory Days. I need you to pray with me. Will you do it? Close your eyes and say, God, help Paul. Awesome. Thanks so much. Appreciate that so much. Um, got here this morning. I've been so pumped about this series. Um, huh. Anyway, here's, here's what I've been praying. I've been praying a couple things, but my greatest prayer has been that today I've asked God, please help me to preach this message with the grace and compassion of a pastor and the grit and the courage of a prophet. You're like, maybe you should have told me that before you had me pray for you, right? <laughs> so I'm just, it's such an, uh, I was going to say, it's such an anti-American message. It's such a pro-kingdom message. Is that a better way to say it? Got here this morning, we were at 8 o'clock prayer, and I turned to Pastor Bridget, and I said, guess what my sermon notes are? And she said, what? I said, just a bunch of scriptures. And she went, that's, that's fun, <laughs> So let's, you, you ready? Um, hmm, glory days. Here's what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks. I'm not going to talk much. We have somebody giving a testimony next week. We have another testimony the week after. Um, the first anti-American pro-kingdom thing I'm going to ask you to do is to literally make room for God. Some of us were so American that we think that this row is full because this is, now, this isn't how y'all are, but this is my row. And there are 250 seats in this room. That's 50, that's 50 people under what we're allowed to have in here through the fire code. Are y'all doing the math? Which means we can put 300 people in this room and then when the kids walk out and go to the back, there'll still be some more room for the people that are waiting to come in and sit. That only works if you become Indian. Apparently only three people have been to India. When we, um, some of y'all like, Indian, can you do that? I don't know, is that, was that, that was probably anti-American. Um, when we, every time we go to India, we, we, we watch rickshaws. You know those green and yellow things um, that people, sometimes they pull them, but now they're motor, motorized, right? And we would always say, like, rickshaws, man, if there's a little bit of space, they, they find a way to get in there. So we, we came back. I don't think we ever made T-shirts, but we, were gonna, we, we came back from one of our trips saying, Jesus drives a rickshaw. Because if you give Jesus a little bit of space in your life, he will fill it. Very anti-American, like because we like our space, and you know, all of us. They tell they tell us, like as pastors, if it's seventy percent full, people will stop coming. Well, now we eat more, so now if it's if it's sixty percent full, people will stop coming because we like to be comfortable. You go to India, they'll put eight people in three chairs, and they won't even feel awkward about it. I feel awkward for them. Maybe y'all should like, not sit three high on each other's laps. That's a lawsuit in America, right? I'm not suggesting that, but I am suggesting we probably, these are really nice chairs. I think one, two, three, there's eight in that row, which, by the way, is not full. Wendy likes people to sit with her. She likes that I'm up here. She's like, you just go up there, and I'll get people I like to sit with me. But there's eight chairs. I bet we could put ten on that. Right. Oh, look at that. You say it, they will do it. Because here's why. God has been healing our church. And I'm so thankful. And when he heals our church, guess what he does? He gives us a story to tell. And when you tell that story, guess what happens? God gets glory and people get grace. And people need grace. Which is why, I mean, is it, I hope it's a, can I, people that are going to share their testimonies, just nod your head, yes, if I can tell them it's you. Trying to, okay, I was trying not to look at, look at them. <laughs> and I realized if I was, if I'm, if I'm over here, like, how do I know if they're saying yes? 
So anyway, Natasha and Amy, thanks for saying yes, right? So next week, Natasha Dennis is going to share her testimony. We've heard just a little bit of it on Wednesday nights at prayer. And then the next week, Amy Phibbs is going to share her testimony, and I've read all of it. And listen, it'll minister to you, but it's really going to minister to somebody that you know. And there's just, there's a grace on our church right now. I can't explain it. Uh, I spend a lot of time telling God, please don't let me mess this up. Just get me out of the way. Please just get me out of the way. I don't want to mess up what you're doing. I, I don't know how many of you have been in church all your life. I have. This is not normal. It's not. It's so great, though. And we, I, I, I am, full disclosure, this is, I haven't got to the message yet. Please, I've got to get to the message, Wendy. Just keep me on task because I'll just say too much. Um, we used to do two services before the pandemic. And they were full, and we were talking about doing a third one. We were pushing 500 people. It was pretty cool. The, the, the ADD part of me is like, this is awesome, right? We were killing servant leaders. Not on purpose, but they were tired. If you're a servant leader watching and you haven't been back, you know, if I haven't personally told you I'm sorry, I'm telling you now, I'm sorry. God's desire is not to kill his kids, to reach more kids. So I tell people all the time now, like, hey, how's your church? I say, we're twice as big, we're half as big and twice as healthy. That's a good word. Tell pastors that, and they go, I know exactly what you're saying. Tell church people that, and they're like, so you're not as big? I don't know. I think kingdom-wise we're bigger, but we're half as big and twice as healthy. But here's what happens. At some point, people go, what's happening over there? At some point, believers start to say, come and see. The woman at the well, her testimony, her story was come and see a man who told me everything I'd ever done and still loves me. You know people who need that. And the reason that you haven't told them your story is because you still don't believe your own story. But the next two weeks, you're going to hear from people that believe their story. And if you know anybody, I don't want to give stuff away, but anxiety is going to come up, right? I'm still <laughs> looking at heads nodding. Um, like, who just talked about this just now? I mean, that's where my mind's at right now. But like, oh, it's Pastor Tory. Like, I've done all the things. Like the rich young ruler, I did all the things. You're going to hear that come up. I've, God, I've done what you asked me to do, and things are still not, they're falling apart. Why? You're going to hear those in the next couple of weeks. And does it, am I the only one that resonates with? I'm a pastor, and that resonates with me. Like, we were joking before we had the Bible trivia up for the countdown, and I said, I'm the pastor who, when he gets an answer right to Bible trivia, is surprised. <laughs> I'm not here telling you, I'm not some great guy. I'm just, a, I'm just a dude trying to love Jesus. I tell people all the time, I'm just a Jesus-loving idiot, and I'm okay with it. So if you're an idiot... Welcome to the family. Now, let's get on with this first week. So all I want to do this morning is kind of just lay some groundwork about glory days. Why do we name it this? What are we trying to get across? What's the point? But the point is that our stories give him glory, right? So when we share our story, and it's one of our core values, we believe, we value your story. And we believe that when you share it, God gets glory and men get grace. That's the reason you have a testimony. Now, we also know from Revelation that when we share our story, it helps us overcome the enemy, right? Maybe the reason why the church has been beaten up by the enemy is because the church has been quiet. Maybe we should start sharing our story, using our voice. And I'm just saying, I'm asking you, as uncomfortable as it might be, imagine Somebody sitting close to you that you don't know, and they're touching you right now on the shoulder because they need that chair. I'm calling you to not be a theater church. Right? Somebody's going to sit next to you. 
and they're not going to smell like you. Thank God. <laughs> oh, Wendy just gave me the look, y'all. We just There's a line, and I went over it. So week one, glory days. Um, let me give you the big idea, and I think this is a good big, big idea just for the whole series, okay, but definitely for today. This is what I want to try to get across today. I don't know if this is a sermon or it's a word or it's just me rambling, but we're asking God to redeem all of it. So here's your big idea. The movement is greater than the moment. The movement is greater than the moment. Um, let's tell you practically how that fits in here, and then I'll get into some more scripture. We've said this a lot in the early days of our church. Here's, here's what happens. When you value the moment more than the movement, you will judge your life and other people's lives on a picture, not the movie. I don't know if I can. I think I just made it up right now on the spot. <laughs> when you value the moment more than the movement, you will judge your life and other people's lives on a picture and not the movie. Here's what I mean by that. We catch ourselves or other people in their worst moment and judge their entire life on that one moment. Now, you wouldn't want anybody to do that to you, which is why you say, no, no, my intention was I meant to do better, and I will, if you give me time, do better. Please don't judge me on my worst day. But we judge people on their worst days. We judge our own lives on our worst days. But the movement is greater than the moment. How many of you have ever had a bad moment? Raise your hand. Some of y'all had one right now because you lied, right? Like, can I only raise one hand or two? Can I both my feet? I'm so thankful that the movement's greater than the moment. Now, let me say it in a pro-kingdom, anti-American way that might make you mad. I'm just processing things out of my brain right now. When we first started talking about this series, I sent the artwork off to get the artwork done, and I had to give them a tagline. And so the tagline was, it was Glory Days, your greatest story is still being written. Doesn't that sound great? And last week, God, as he often does when I'm getting ready to preach to you, he takes me out back and, and tells me the truth, and then I have to change stuff. And I literally had to open up all the master Photoshop files and change the tagline. I just changed one letter. But God said, you have to change this letter. And you have to change it from your to our. Our greatest story is still being written. And the reason why I like your story better than our story is because your story is all about me. And our story is about us. I was thinking about this this morning, Allison, while you were leading. I, I just, I've become very aware. We can't do anything about it until we all start writing songs, and you do have songs. Allison's got some amazing songs. But I was so aware this morning about how many times I heard the word me in the songs that we sang. It's just that in our culture, right? My greatest story is still being written. And the reason why I think that's unbiblical is because we're called to something greater than me. So here's the, here's the way, like, the movement is greater than the moment. We love that. But here's the way that I first thought of this. When it comes to stories, the, if we say my greatest days are behind me, that is the most carnal statement you and I could ever make to God. Well, God, my greatest days are over. They're behind me. My glory days are back. Do y'all know, it's typically older men, but do y'all know older people that sit on the porch and talk about high school? <laughs> You're just like, that's so adorable. Shut up, right? Like, nobody cares, dude. I remember, now, now I can relate to this now. I have a lot more grace. But I can remember one time hearing a man talk to me about how he had run five marathons. I had just started running. Hadn't run a marathon yet. I haven't run five marathons. I've run four. But I'm getting there. One of these days I'm going to do one just to, so I can say I did five. Got to get the one for the thumb. Is that what it is? Anyway, I, haven't, I have none for any fingers. I haven't won anything except the, the, the medal that says, congratulations, you didn't die. 
I have gotten a lot of those. Um, but this man's talking about how he ran five marathons. And now as he's talking to me, I'm looking at him. I'm trying not to look at him too much because I'm in my head I'm thinking, you? You ran five marathons? Because there's no way he could have run a marathon then. Now, the grace part, right, as a pastor. I don't know if I could run a marathon today, but it doesn't discount what I did back then. But when we're stuck in the past, like that was my best moment, the best years of my life, then everything that happens today that makes my life feel less than, I, I don't have any faith for what's next. So when, when I say to God, God, and my greatest days are behind me. And as a pastor, I hear a lot of pastors say that their church's greatest days were pre-pandemic. Well, I get it if you're talking about, like, just people, how many people attend your church. But, y'all, the Bible says that we serve a God who takes us from glory to glory. I think I actually have that. It's 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, but we all with unveiled face Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image. That would be Jesus from glory to glory. I can't tell God that my greatest days are behind me if he says that he's leading us into greater glory. And then God said <laughs> this. Think about stories, right? Stories are made up of letters that form words, that form sentences, that form paragraphs, that form pages, that form chapters, that form books. And you and I, guess what we are? We're letters. We think we're the whole story, but we're letters. And sometimes letters form bad words. I watched some of a basketball game last night. A lot of blue. A lot of bad words. Duke, four-letter word. <laughs> Heel, four-letter word. Take one letter out, put one more letter in. It gets way, way worse. Some of our lives, if we're honest, it doesn't feel like we're moving from glory to glory. It feels like we're moving from gory to gory, Right? But letters can form words that aren't pleasurable. Pleasant? Pleasurable? But that word combined with other words and making sentences, chapters, can lead to a greater part of the story. That's why I think God had me change it from your greatest story to our greatest story. Because then this is the compassionate part of the pastor. Some of us in this room, y'all, some of our stories have not been good. They have been painful. But that can't define the whole, or else God's just going to lead this really overcoming, victorious, always depressed church. And that's not who he is. He's leading us from glory to glory. Even if my part of it didn't feel that glorious. I feel like I'm all over the place. Are we good so far? Can you write down four words? These are four words. I'm going to challenge you to pray these four words every day. Just know that it will wreck your life. <laughs> You're welcome. So you're pray when we pray, who do we pray to? God. Well, we're not going to count that as one of the words. Okay? So it's just a four-word prayer. So you're going to say, Father, and then here's the four words that you're going to pray. It's going to wreck your life. I, I would tell you not to pray it unless you mean it. Be glorified. In me. When I was in seminary, we had a professor. He was in a wheelchair, and he was um, professoring <laughs> at the seminary. And one day we had, there's just moments that mark you, right? One day we had this chapel service, and there was about a thousand students in the room. And he was sitting, it was like theater style, you know, so he's like literally halfway up in the area where you have wheelchairs, right? And somebody said, hey, can we pray for the professor's name that God would heal him? Because, you know, there's a whole mix of people in this. There's people that are like from 
Presbyterian, from Baptist. I'm sure whoever said let's pray for his healing was probably Pentecostal. But whoever it was, they were super into it. And they were like, hey, let's just pray that God heals the, the man. And so everybody's like, it's seminary, right? We should not be afraid to pray. So everybody gets ready to pray. And then that man sitting in a wheelchair raises his hand. And I'm Pentecostal, so I'm like, oh, Jesus, you're going to touch him right now. You know, he's ready. But he was like, no, excuse me, can I say something before we pray? Sure. I could ruin the moment, right? And this is what he said. I believe that God can heal me. I ask God to heal me. But my condition puts me in a whirlpool two times a week with three other men who have the same condition and don't know Jesus. And I get to share with those men about my love for and faith in Jesus. And if this is the price I pay to be able to do that, I'm okay in a wheelchair. Now, some of that's going to mess with your overcoming, victorious, like your best life now theology. But that's because you bought the lie that it's about your story. It's the kingdom. We should make t-shirts that say, it's the kingdom, stupid. Except you can't say the S word. I'm sorry. It's the kingdom, y'all. That's what we'll do. It's about the kingdom, y'all. And so we bought this lie that if my story isn't good, then God didn't come through. But he's writing a greater story. How many in the room right now have seen horrible moments of your life, and yet now you're seeing that God is able to redeem those moments and that there is life on the other side of that? Raise your hand. Right? That's the power of our testimony, y'all. Have you noticed that nobody relates to lottery winners? Nobody relates to lottery winners. I mean, we watched my lottery dream house thingamajig, the guy that, is now you can't see who he is because yeah but were you telling me to stop talking oh <laughs> okay anyway we watched that show and we can't relate to it you know the shows that we can relate to somebody fix my house <laughs> right <laughs> we're like how do we get on that show right somebody come fix our mess listen that's the power of your testimony if, if all we're ever doing is telling people how, like, how great our life is, I mean, you work with people that can't relate to that. But tell people that your bad life has become great, and they're like, how did that happen again? Because I need that to happen for me. The movement is greater than the moment. Glory days is not about looking back. It's about looking ahead. Haggai 2.9 says, The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord. If we don't believe that truth, then we're going to be um, Ezra 3.12. I don't have that written out here, but in Ezra 3.12, they're building the temple. And they describe how as it's being, the foundations being laid, the newer crowd, which would be like Blake, right, when he... They're like, this is amazing. But all the older people are weeping because they're like, this doesn't look nearly as good as what we had before. We, we can't keep looking backwards, y'all. Comparing what we have now to what we had then, it's a new day. It's a new season. He's doing something new, and we can't grieve the old and embrace the new at the same time. Which, what I love about our church is that God has given us the grace to grieve. He's given us time and grace just to, hey, God, this stinks compared to what we thought we had. And then he just graciously starts to show us how what's happening now is so much better. In our church, in your life, there's so much hope in this, y'all. Um, hmm. Let's see. What else do I want to say? Can I just read some verses? 
John chapter 7, verse 39. He, Jesus, was speaking about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. For the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. What, you know what happens in our lives when we, when we say, be glorified in me? When he's glorified in our lives, guess, guess who gets poured out more? Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit cannot be poured out in a place where Jesus is not glorified. So if, like, if my, whole, my whole goal in life is, Lord, bless me, bless my family, we got enough chairs just for us and nobody else, please, God, don't let that church service get too crowded because you know I don't want to get my coffee spilt. Then I'm living for my glory. Is Jesus glorified in that? No. So guess what's not there? The Holy Spirit. He cannot be poured out until Jesus is glorified. That was way better than you acted like it was. John chapter 12, verse 23. I'm just giving you some verses. But Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. This is, he's moving towards, um, there's a pivotal moment in Jesus' life where he hangs on something. It's called, it starts with C and ends with Ross. Remember what that's called? The cross. This is what he said before he went to the cross. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. So where was that glory going to happen? Well, that was kind of a trick question. It happens through the cross. Right? Through the cross. Because in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, it says this. We keep our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross disregarding its shame. Even Jesus had moments in his life that weren't good. But he looked through the cross. There was joy waiting for him, and he went through the cross to get to that joy. So when um, sometimes the reason why the church today struggles with suffering is because we still don't know what to do with it. We don't have an eternal perspective. We don't have, and we talked about this in our Seated series People ask me, like, what's God doing at your church? I'm like, just go watch the last year worth of messages, right? There's this common theme. But when we're seated with Christ, we have that eternal perspective. That lets us know what to do with suffering. Listen to this statement. An eternal perspective does not turn a blind eye to suffering. It turns a wise eye to suffering. I will say that one again. Eternal perspective does not turn a blind eye to suffering. It turns a wise eye to suffering. Jesus said, if there's another way, right, I would rather do that. Like, if there's a way to redeem mankind by eating cotton candy, let's go that route. But if not, if this cross is the only way, then not my will, but your will be done. Right? And I will go through the cross because of the joy that's set before me. He didn't turn the blind out of suffering. And if you're here this morning, and this is a hard message to hear because you're currently in a season where you are mourning, then I need you to know this. He knows that season. I, I also know that season, but I'm not as good as Jesus, right? But he knows that season. He doesn't tell you to get over it. He says, I'm going to take you through it. Because that's what he did. He didn't get over the cross. He went through the cross. That word was already spoken this morning during, during the worship. Pastor Bridget said, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We go through these things. We don't sit in them. Suffering, I wish there was another way, y'all. But suffering is often the vehicle that leads to his glory. And we try to pray ourselves right out of it. Oh, God, this hurts so much. He's like, I know. Remember, I'm the guy that went to the cross. Yeah, but God, you just, this can't be, this can't be what you mean for my life. It's like, well, it can be what I mean for my kingdom. You ever had somebody ask you, what's the point of suffering? I have a new answer. You're going to hate it. <laughs> All right, they won't like it either, but it's true. You know what the point of suffering is? The point of suffering is to remind us that this life is not the point. 
The Bible says this is not our home. And I'm not discounting pain, y'all. We've lost people that we love. Many of you have lost people that, we, that you love. I'm not discounting the pain of it. But I am saying that when we, we turn a wise eye to that, it's like, oh, thank you, God. This is not my home. One time, I don't know what it is about when we don't ever buy new cars. We get new to us cars. Anybody like that? One time, Wendy was working at the, at the bookstore back when our family still had the bookstore. And I don't know, she went through this, this, it wasn't her, but she went through this stretch where like it seemed like every week she would come home and there's another scratch. You know, it's because of the crazy people that go to Walmart. They don't know how to open their doors, honestly. And so, like, I think one time somebody just, like, rammed into your car and then just left. But I remember the first time we had just bought the car. I mean, it was, you know, when it's new to you, you're like, right? I mean, you're, like, taking care of it like it's brand new. And she brought that thing home and showed me the scratch and dent. She's like, it's a dent, Paul. It's not a scratch. It's a dent. Scratches can buff out. Dents can't. Did I say that right? I'm not a car guy. It was a dent. And in one of, my, one of the moments when I know that God was speaking through me clearly, I said, <laughs> I sound like I'm setting up a joke, but I'm really not. So legitimately, I said, thank you, God, for allowing this jerk to remind us that our life is not defined by our possessions. I don't have that response every time, but that time I did because it's an eternal perspective, y'all. I was speaking with somebody a week or so ago and about somebody that they've lost, and they just started talking about heaven, right? And it's like, that's it. I miss the people in my life that have passed away. Um, I don't mean this coldly, y'all, but they don't miss me. There with Jesus. I heard a message last week. A pastor said, like, why have we been so afraid of dying? If we read the Bible right, that's how we get to Jesus. <laughs> Forever. The reason we're afraid of dying is because we've made this life everything. I don't want to lose out. I don't want to miss out. If I die now, I won't get to, if I die literally right now, well, I wouldn't get to walk my daughter down the aisle. Am I the only one when he was 15 that said to God, please don't come back until I get my license? <laughs> I did that. And then before I got married, please, God, just let me get married and have a wife <laughs> and other stuff. I'm talking about bacon on Saturday morning. I don't even know what y'all are thinking about. <laughs> but then it dawned on me. Can you picture this? Can you picture me? Jesus returns in all of his glory and takes us to be with him forever. And I walk into the throne room. Are you serious, Jesus? Like I was in the line at the DMV, the only one happy to be there. To get my license. And that was the moment you picked to take me to be with you forever. Are you serious right now? Y'all. Our priorities are so jacked up. I'm, I'm saying our. Mine. We are so attached to this life. That even when people that we love aren't with us, but they're with Jesus. It's hard. Now, pain and grief is a legitimate thing, y'all. But at some point, Paul said to be apart from the body is to be with him. Like, we win, y'all. Even when we lose. It's an eternal perspective. I've talked long enough, and now I need to give somebody some money. Blake, dude, you killed that rap. That was awesome. Killed it. Can we give him like a hand? Yeah, it was good, wasn't it? The whole time you were doing it, I kept thinking, I'm glad it's not me. 
weren't you thinking the same thing? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, we were too, Paul. <laughs> Lord, pour it out on Blake. Keep Paul in the front row. Um, but you're an artist now, and, you know, cut right, give me a big amen here. But it's good to get paid, right, when, when you, can I give you, I mean, can I give you some money? Would you be okay with that? Well, I don't, but I want to. I'll, I'll make you earn it. How's that? You'll have to come up here to get it. Everybody give Jumbo Juice a big hand. Now, awesome. Now, we haven't worked, we haven't practiced this, have we? I feel like I'm doing a magic trick. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, make, I'm gonna make myself disappear. Stay right, no, stand right here, stand right here. <laughs> Kidding, that wasn't it. That was terrible. You're like, I saw your butt. Um, so we haven't practiced this at all. And and I told Wendy this morning, this is the part of the sermon that we call. Disastrous sermon illustrations with Pastor Paul. Because, you know, like one time I pulled out a, a tool and almost took my finger off. You never know where this is going to go. I have something in my head. I'm praying it works out this way. I'm praying it does. Here we go. So all I need you to do is um, those dumbbells right there. If you just, can you pick them up? I'm hoping you can pick them up. Good. Okay. <laughs> Whew, so far, so good. Oh, you want to go on this side? Or you go wherever you want. You're the one with the dumbbells. Is that good? Do they feel, I mean, you can tell there's weight on them. Do you, you want me to tell them how much it is? He's right now holding dumbbells that are 55 pounds each. Oh, I'm sorry, wait. I, I, <laughs> he's like, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> sorry, it's, I have old eyes. 15 pounds. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. But you're still very strong. I can smell you from right here. So the way this is going to work out is I've got money. I really do legitimately have money. And I have $20. I would like to give all the... I feel like I'm a game show host right now. <laughs> Are you good? Should we have music behind this, do you think? Something to reclaim it? Yeah, sure. You be the spiritual person, and I'll be the dude with the money. So as the, as the band comes... So, okay, here's what's going to happen. Are you, you can put them down for a second while I explain this. I don't want you to be worn out. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to explain one last verse. But I'd like to ask you, Blake, a jumbo juice. Sorry. Um, if you would help me illustrate it. And all I need you to do is don't do it yet. But when I say go, and I'm going to get my timer out. Dun, dun, dun. I should have somebody else time it. Wouldn't that be fun? You might want to do that. We, we, do you have a phone you can time it with? Y your mom's getting you one right now. Yeah. When, I, when he starts, I just need you to hit start on that thing. And then I'm going to give you $2 for every minute that you do what you're getting ready to do. And if you make it five minutes, I'm going to give you $5 for the next minute and then $5 for the next minute. I'm not good at math, but that's more money than you have now. right? I mean, maybe you have more in the account, but like on your person right now, it's more than you, okay. <laughs> I should have been a comedian, that's all I'm saying. But then nobody would laugh and I'd be broke. Um, okay, so what's going to happen is when, are we ready with that? Okay, so when I say go, don't cheat. You're going to pick those up and you're just going to hold them both and hold them over your head. Okay, and as long as you can do it, I'm going to pay you. That was perfect musical timing, by the way. I'm in a great mood, y'all. This is glory days. Our, our best, our greatest story is still being written. Somebody say amen. Should we pray for him now? God, make him weak and save me money. Amen. No, no, no. That's the wrong, that was the wrong message. Yeah, sorry. I have said it at $20. That's all you can make. But I'm rooting for you, okay? Every minute you get for every minute you get two dollars. So if you'd go for if you go for one minute, then you're gonna get enough money to put a drop of gas in your mom's car. So mom is praying for supernatural strength right now. Yes. Um, now you've got to you've got to keep them up there. Like none of this, like all right, you gotta keep it up there. And whenever you're tired, we're not trying to prove anything here, but whenever you're tired, you want to put them down, just put them down. You're going to earn whatever money you've, you'll get whatever you've earned to that point. 
Have I talked this into the ground? Do we know what's happening? Do you see how the band behind you is like, I'm not going to be in this shot. See that? They're like, they're like, go Blake. Go Blake. Go. Okay. Now, are you ready? Official timer? If Just let me know what he's at whenever he passes. I mean, puts him down. You ready? Jumbo. Jumbo. Okay. On the count of three. That was impressive. One, two, three, go. Good. Just keep them right there. Are you good? I mean, you are the smell of money right there, baby. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. By the way, don't lock your knees. You'll pass out. You're doing great. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. How are we doing down there on the timer? Have we hit a minute? Dude, you're not even $2 yet. You're doing great. You're doing great. <laughs> you're doing so good. No, you're doing, you're, he's doing, give some encouragement. Come on, encourage him. Doing great. You're doing great. You're doing great. The good news is if he passes out now, Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> he looks like Jesus. I was going to say, if he passed out at one minute, that would be perfect because we could make a YouTube short out of it and maybe make money, but now we're past that. So thanks again, Jesus. This is perfect. No, this is perfect. Stay right there. Are you, are you good? Are you, you're better now, right? <laughs> Let me find one more verse for you guys. If I had told, um, while I'm getting that verse, if I had told Blake, I need you to stand here and hold these weights up, and for every minute that you hold the weights up, I'm going to take $2 from you. How long would he have held them up? He probably wouldn't have picked them up. See, it's, it's seeing that our present situation is earning something that makes us want to get through it. Like, he's shaking He's doing a great job, but you know what he's doing right now on the inside? Please, God, let this man behind me hold my hands up long enough to get all of Paul's money. <laughs> right? I'm a mind reader. I'm telling you, man. I knew that was happening. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us a future glory that outweighs them all. Let me ruin a verse for you. Can I do that? Once I find it, I will definitely ruin it for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says this, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. Jesus, do you need the Holy Spirit to come help you? Oh, they're coming. Oh, we got people coming. We got people coming. I didn't realize the Holy Spirit was so bald, but it's fine. Y'all, how are, we, how are we doing time-wise? So we're just halfway? Wow, I need to talk slower. Okay. By the way, y'all are helping this to be way better than I thought it was going to be. And all my fingers are still on my hand. So that's good. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Here we go. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. I'm not going to preach about this, but I want to just drop this in your heart. Have you ever talked to somebody who's going through so much pain that they say things like, you just don't understand? Apparently, what we just read was it's common to mankind. Everybody's pain is different, but nobody gets to take their pain and make it their own. We don't get to say, at this point, I'm so hurt and so tempted and so underneath the struggle that nobody can ever relate to me. Because he just said that what you're experiencing is actually common to man. 
so common that Jesus experienced it so he could redeem you from it. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Now, usually what people think this means is, so if it's really hard, it's not from God. How many of you have been through really hard situations that drove you to your knees, right? (laughs) Yeah, me too. He says, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Jesus did not want to go to the cross. So if we put Jesus in this verse, what did God provide so that he could endure the cross? He provided you, me. He said, hey, Jesus, there's a joy waiting for you if you'll go through the cross. We read this, oh, God will provide you a way of escape so you can just leave it. No, he's still under it. But he's not the only one under it. He's going to get all of my money. But he just got a whole bunch of help so that he could stand up under it. How many of you, this is no slam to you because you are an awesome young man. If Jesus hadn't brought his buddies up here to help, is he still holding these up? No way. No way. It actually is more than we can bear. Which is why I've, from time to time, found myself huddled up in the corner, rocking like a baby, crying my eyes out because, God, I can't do this. I can't take this. I can't survive this. And what does he always do? He brings people alongside. This is fascinating. I know you can't hear her, but what she's saying is, give me the money. (laughs) She's teaching him how to breathe, I think. Yeah. Y'all, what does it mean to be in the family of God? It means this. It means that when you're under it and you're struggling and you start doing this, people come alongside you and they like, I'll help. Can I tell you a really cool thing? The only person that I asked to be a part of this illustration was Blake. I didn't ask any of them. This is what church looks like. This is the kingdom. And I'm not going to preach the next couple of weeks. You're not going to hear testimonies where we tell you just suck it up and get over it. We're going to tell you trust your father to take you through it. You're going to hear stories from people who have been through it. That whatever, I I know that Bridget kind of shared it, but Kyle had said, like, he just saw, this is a weird illustration, but like David holding up Goliath's head and saying to his men, look, I got the head. And if you read the rest of the story, guess what all the Israelites did? The men who were scared to face the giant came running down the hill and chased the enemy as far as they could chase him. You know what your testimony does? Your story does? Your story is you holding up the head of the enemy and saying, I'm telling you, this is what God did for me. And the people that hear it, that are facing the same giant you're facing that you defeated, they go, if God can do it for him, he can do it for me. Open your mouth, church. And share your story. How are we doing on time? He, he's, got, he's gone past. You've extended my money. He's at eight and a half minutes. Wow. Well, he's definitely earned all the money, 100%. You want to give him a big hand? awesome (laughs) he said you got to put it in my pocket I can't move my arms (laughs) $20 $20 for you good job give him another big hand (laughs) 
Okay, you've just given me so much freedom to talk as long as I possibly wanted to and to crack jokes and all that stuff. But here's what I want to do right now as we end. I know that we had time for ministry earlier, but I think some of you need prayer. I think um, we need to pray for one another. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're facing a moment that has almost taken you out and you would like to have happen for you what just happened for Blake, then I'm going to ask you, and we won't even be romantic about it, like close your eyes and as the band plays, I'm just going to say stand up and come. Is that okay? I could be like when I count to three, but if you're desperate, why would you even want to wait till three? So come on. If you want prayer for something you're facing right now, I want you just to come and just stand at the front. We're going to surround you just like we did, and we're going to pray that God gives you an eternal perspective on your pain, an eternal perspective on the things that you're facing the suffering that you're going through. This is what the body does. And then they're just going to sing. They're going to worship. And we're going to spend the last few moments worshiping. Okay? We're going to worship. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to fill this room, to minister to people that are coming forward. Y'all, I'm not a prophet or nothing like that, but there's a whole lot of more people that need to be up here than this. Because I asked you all the way through the sermon to raise your hands about certain things, and you'd all put your hands up, and now your butt's stuck to the chair. Sorry, we don't play that game here. Come on. Come on. Let the church minister to you right now. Just lay the pride down. It's not about winning. You don't win some trophy because you never got prayed for. (laughs) We We get power when people pray for us. So as the, as the band leads us in worship, if you can, I'm going to ask you to stand. And we're just going to worship. So if you're not up here being prayed for or praying for somebody, then your job right now is just to sing, right? Just to fill this room with the sound of your voice, the sound of your praise.